Good morning. <laughs> We're glad you're here. So uh, thank you for being patient with us. We have so many extra things going on this morning that um, there's a lot of moving parts. And so whenever you're a mobile church, um, it can always be a little tricky. So um, thank you so much for, I know there was a period of time where we didn't have the, the words on the screen for you, but um, we got, thanks to all of our amazing volunteers, we got that like figured out on the fly. And uh, anyway, it's a great day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my name is Randy, and I'm the campus pastor here. And today, as you've been hearing all morning long, it's our first birthday. We launched one year ago this Sunday on this day. Um, and yeah, it's been an awesome journey. And so, um, and, and uh, some of you guys were there. Some of you have come since then. We actually launched in, um, in the theater at the, at the Riverside Plaza. And, uh, and then uh, in December, we moved here. And so, man, it's just been an, an amazing journey so far. It's been a great first year. I can't wait to see what year two has. And so um, the great news is if you're coming here and this is your first time or if you've been coming only for a few weeks, man, you're getting in on the kind of the ground level as we're building something and God is writing a really amazing story through South Hills Riverside. And so it's just a privilege to be a, be a, a part of this city uh, because I, we just believe with all of our heart that God loves the the city of Riverside, that he loves every single human being that lives in this city. And our heartbeat is to connect with people um, who are far away from him, who maybe have had a bad experience at church or never have been to church ever before. Um, and we can just come together and create a space where our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, the people around us can come and experience God's love where they can you know, not have it all figured out, where they can ask questions, where they can be skeptical um, and yet they can still find connection, community, and begin to experience God's love. So that's really, really cool. Um, we're going to ask everybody to do something um, kind of fun today. And so um, on your seat or on the table in front of you, there's a packet of stuff that looks like this. Would you grab that for me for just a second? I'm going to have you pull um, a couple of things out of there. Um, number one, there should be a blank card. This is blanked on both sides. If you'd grab that for me and just hold it in your hands. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do on our first birthday was just, um, was just be able to kind of collectively say happy birthday, collectively sort of share our stories. And so if you would do us a favor, um, if, you would, uh, if you would just write, take, take a minute during the service um, and write on here just some sort of message about, you know, whether this is your first time or, you know, somebody dragged you here, whatever, how you came to be here or, you know, like one of the things I told our team earlier is just finish the sentence because of South Hills and you just finish that sentence. Um, or if you just want to write happy birthday, Salsa, whatever, whatever, if you just write a birthday message on there that has to do with your story and your connection here, um, that would just be huge. There's a board in the lobby. We're going to hang all those up and, and um, we'll have those uh, there displayed. That would be real, uh, really fun. So um, please do that. Take a few minutes and do that before you leave today. Um, as Ozzy said, there's great stuff going on after the service for all of your family and uh, lots of food, cake, pinatas, bounce houses. Um, all kinds of fun stuff, popcorn, great stuff. Um, before we dive into the scriptures, there are just a couple of other announcements that I want to let you know about. I know we've thrown a lot at you this morning. Um, number one, um, I had a, oh yeah, here we go. There's my shirt. I had a shirt up here. I thought someone stole my shirt. We were going to have some issues. Um, but we're in a series called Love Where You Live, and uh, we have these amazing shirts, um, these amazing Love Where You Live shirts printed. There's a table in the lobby, and um, we, we, had, we just had a first run done right now, um, and the, the way that you can get your hands on one of these is outside um, all month long because of, because of uh, Love Where You Live month. 
Um, we have projects that we've planned out where we can just go out into the community together in groups and, um, and do all kinds of stuff to demonstrate God's love uh, to our city and to make it a better place. And so um, on the coffee tables in the lobby uh, where the couches are, there's all kinds of sign-ups about what the projects are, when they are, how you can be involved. And if you sign up um, uh, for a project, um, you actually can get one of these shirts for five bucks. Um, if you don't sign up, you can buy one and get one for 10. Um, but if you serve, uh, we will eat the other five because they cost us 10 to print. Um, but you, we'll eat the other five and just give it to you for five bucks. So um, we'd love for you to have one of those shirts. More importantly, we'd love for you to join us in, in serving our community. Um, a couple other things, um, Tacos with the Pastors coming up uh, um, here in just uh, a couple of weeks on September 19th. And so um, if you're new or haven't had a chance to really get connected in any way, you have questions about what we're about or how to get connected, um, that's a great opportunity to just come. It's a super kind of uh, relaxed environment. We just have some tacos together. Some of our leaders and staff are there. We just hang out, talk, ask, and uh, open it up for people to be able to ask questions and talk about anything they want to uh, talk about. And then finally, our Guys Night event is coming up. Um, at the end of the month, um, the tickets are only 25 bucks right now, even though the slide says 35. And so uh, we're actually going to buy, buy a block of tickets, uh, of 10 tickets um, today. And so um, if you want to get one, just let me know and uh, we'll work it out. And, and we'd love to take a group of us. Um, it's, for, um, it's for guys who are t um, junior high all the way through adults. And so um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've been able to sit in on some of the planning and all the stuff that's going into it. It's going to be fantastic. So I have, um, I have this really strong conviction that, um, that significantly impacts how I live my life, and I, I wanted to share it with you this morning, um, and, and could, I, could I share that? Could I just confess that to you? Are you ready? So he, here's my conviction that impacts significantly how I live my life. People are weird. People are super weird they are anybody with me on this like people are just I'm weird you're weird we're all sort of weird and we're all drawn to people who have our same brand of crazy right like they 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 they're weird in the same way that we are people who are sort of like quirky whatever and, the, and the, they have the same hangouts whatever whatever it is like we're drawn to the people who are like us and, and we just kind of do our best to put up with everybody else right to navigate around everyone else but, but have, you, have you ever been in a moment, or have you ever been in a situation or a neighborhood, you ever lived somewhere where you had a weird or difficult neighbor, and you were just like, I don't know, like I've tried to get to know this person, I've tried to like, I just, I just, don't, I just don't know. Um, a number of years ago when my wife and I uh, had been married just a few years, we didn't have any kids uh, before we just had like a gang of kids that follow us around everywhere. Um, it was just her and I, and life was like, you don't even know how simple your life is. Um, when you don't have kids, like you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so we were just sort of blissfully ignorant and we lived in this uh, nice apartment complex. And, and there was these older people that kind of lived across the way. We lived upstairs and they lived downstairs. And so we could always kind of look out and see like into their apartment because they always had their curtains open. And I swear, I don't know if these people were, I don't know, I don't know, they're vampire, I don't know what they were doing, but they never slept. Like, it didn't matter what time of day we got up, it didn't matter how late we came home, it, like, there was always activity and commotion going on, and, like, it looks like they were, like, building stuff or cooking, it was just the craziest thing, and, and like, I'm just like, I think they're cooking meth in there, like, I don't, I don't know what they're, like, I, I don't know what's going on. But, but neighbors are super tricky sometimes though, right? Like, so, so, so most of us 
kind of just keep to ourselves, right? Like, because who's got the time to deal with everyone else's crazy when we're just trying to deal with our own crazy in our own family? But have you ever found out that someone who lives by you was struggling or going through something really difficult and it had been like several weeks or maybe even a couple of months and you had no idea and, and, and on outwardly, like you're talking to one of your other neighbors or you're just like, man, what, why is their yard so messed up? And they're like, oh, like they've been like consumed with caring for their mom who has cancer now. And then you feel terrible and you think like, maybe, maybe I should have known that. Like I live right, like right by these people. How, maybe I should have been aware. And when you think about it, we kind of excuse ourselves from not really knowing our neighbors that well. And instead, and, and I've been guilty of this and maybe you've done this, but, but lots of people I know, like instead, we just kind of identify them with nicknames. Like, oh, oh, I know my neighbors. There's the guy that owns the red sports car. And there's the meth cookers that are down there that are doing their thing. There's the dude that goes jogging all the time. The people who never mow their lawn. Um, a few years ago, we lived um, in, a, in, a, in a community in Northern California. And <clears throat> we lived on the street. And there were other streets that kind of dead-ended into our street. And so the people that lived across from us, their house didn't face us. It faced the other street. We faced the side of their house and uh, their, their side fence and a little bit of their side yard. And so no one, no one, like there was, we didn't have a, a direct neighbor right there. So, um, and we lived kind of on the edge of the community. And so we had a basketball hoop that sat on the other side of the, the street. And, and the lady that lived there forever, we were super close to her. And then she sold her house and moved away. And then this other family lived there and, um, and they were, they they loved a party like they had massive parties going on in their backyard all the time and and um and and they had lived there for a few months and we didn't really know them and we came home from church one day and my wife had pulled up into our driveway with our kids and I, I was still at church kind of tearing down and I wasn't there and 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 he comes like storming over to her and he's like hey hey and he's like yelling like getting her attention and she's like hey hi how are you and he's like are you the preacher's wife and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like my husband's a pastor. And, and he's like, you need to get your basketball hoop off of my property. And it was actually on the street. It wasn't even like sitting on his property. And she was like, well, I, I mean, like you should probably talk to him because I don't know what's going on there. And, and so like she went inside and, um, and, and I took a, I was a little like slow in coming home. I came home. She told me I was home for a couple hours. Well, I look out, I look out the window and, um, and he's, he's dragging our hoop across the street and p puts it on our side of the... And so I did the only Christian thing I knew how to do. I waited until he went back in his house and I went back out there and dragged my hoop <laughs> all the way back across the street and put it back where it was. Um, and then I went up and introduced myself to him. like, hey man. And, like, uh, and we had heard from some other people that they had moved into our little tiny community from a bigger town in the Bay Area called Fremont. And so, um, and so we had kind of a, a, a tense exchange and we tried to work it out. And like, while I, I didn't know it, but while I was dragging the hoop back across, like he was looking over his fence and ha my wife was looking out the window and he was watching her and he was like looking at her and, the, and like, he's looking at me and he's looking at her and he's like going, doing this action. And I was like, wow, we're getting off on the wrong foot here, man. Like, so, but for the longest time, I, I, I'm not proud to admit it. Like, I didn't even know the dude's name. We just called him Fremont because that's where he moved from. And so that was his nickname is like, dude, Fremont's at it again. Fremont 
Fremont's throwing a party again. Fremont's freaking out. Fremont, I was like, finally one day I'm like, we should probably get to know Fremont's name. Like we should go over and introduce ourselves. And, and once we did that, once he became like an actual individual with a name and we got to hear a little bit of his story and we actually have a conversation, um, the whole relationship, but we do that, right? We, sometimes we have difficult time getting to know people or connecting with people. So we just sort of like, oh, I know those people and I, they're, they're, just, they're just this thing. And the truth is, if we zoomed out a little bit, it's not really just our neighbors, but there are people all around us that we're just kind of oblivious to. Like, we're aware that they're there, but we're, we don't really know them. Like, have you ever bought something and then you started noticing that tons of other people had that same thing? Like, that happens to us when we get a new car, right, or some new shoes, and like, you just like, I haven't seen this really that, that often, and then you get it, and it's like everywhere. It's like, why is everybody copying me? A whole bunch of people happen, um, but it happens to us all, and, and, and the truth is, it's not likely that a whole bunch of people happen to get the same new thing that we got at the same time that we bought it. We just never noticed it before, and there's actually a biological reason for this. There's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And, and it's a cluster of cells in your brainstem that regulates your alertness and your attention. And, and this is really important because all of us are bombarded by thousands of stimuli every second of every day in our life. It, it's different sights, different sounds, different sensations. Uh, we're all being bombarded all the time through our senses. And it's impossible for your brain to focus on every single one of those stimulus that's coming at you. And so the function of your RAS is that it decides what you will and what you won't pay attention to. And, and it's pretty amazing at its job, but it's not perfect. Because we've all experienced times, and maybe this has happened to you, or you know somebody who this happened to, where it's like, that, you know, where you watch an accident, and then you're talking to the people, or you got an accident, and, and, and the, the, the car like was coming through and, and they just say like I, had, I didn't see it at all. Like I didn't see them. And there's a biological reason for that is because for some reason their brain filtered that stimulus out for just a split second and then they saw it too late and they got an accident. Now a big part of how your brain does that, a big part of how it does its job is based upon the choices that you and I make. So when we get something new, for instance, it creates a category in your brain for it. It basically says to your brain, this thing is now VIP status. File anything that looks and feels and sounds like this, file it here. So now it's on your radar and now it's going to get your attention, which is why you notice when other people have the same thing that you just bought. Now here, here's, where it gets here's where it actually gets interesting for real life. Because our brains don't just filter out things, they have a tendency to filter out people too. Because we tend to like people who are like us, so that's who we pay attention to. We, we tend to build relationships with people who, who are easy to get along with, right? We tend to, to, to build relationships with people and become friends with, who, with people who have the same brand of crazy as us. And our brains start to filter out other people. So we, we gravitate towards those people who are like us. That's actually what we're wired biologically to do. And on the surface, it's not really a bad thing because in the course of human history, it's helped us ensure our survival, to care for our families, to protect our tribes. But there's a dark side to this as well because it's one thing to ignore a car of a different color, but it's another thing to ignore a person of a different color. It's one thing to tune out like that ringtone that doesn't sound like your phone. It's another thing to tune out a person who has a completely different opinion about life and politics and God than you do. 
It's one thing to be drawn to those who have a similar look and style and vibe as you. It's another to just kind of overlook or dismiss everyone else who doesn't dress or walk or talk or act like you. And the simple reality is, in our culture, the most common way that we exclude other people is to simply ignore them. It's just simple inattention. And it's easy because, because we, we're so focused on ourselves and our life and our story and our family and what we're doing that, that sometimes there's like little room for anything else in our life and especially in our brains. But the world is like rapidly changing around us. We're more connected all the time with different kinds of people, different groups of people. And, and you don't have to travel thousands of miles anymore around the world to discover the world. The world has moved in next door. And you're connected to the world through that little device in the palm of your hand. And for most of us, because we, we don't, when we get into this conversation, we don't immediately feel the tension of it. Because it's something that like, those other closed-minded, those other unloving people should work on. And we can all probably think of that person right now who's, who's got some prejudice, who's, like, who's okay with shutting people out and filtering people out of their life. We can all think of people like that. But if, if someone asked you, like right now, if like, are you a good neighbor? Are you kind of an inclusive person? Or do, do you kind of love everybody? Most of them think, of course I am. But, but if you stop to think about your neighborhood, your circle, your life, about the familiar strangers in your life, you know, the people that you, that you regularly see or bump into in your daily or weekly routines, but you don't actually know their names, whether it's the barista at Starbucks or the people who ride in the elevator with you at your office every single day, or the bank teller, or the vendors, or maybe you order so much stuff off of Amazon Prime, like the dude, you like know him by name because he's just delivering stuff to your door all the time. Um, and, and there's there people we see regularly, but we just like, and we kind of know their face. We see that like they have the same sort of part of their routine causes their path to cross ours on a regular, we just don't know who they are. But, but, and if we were asked, and this is myself included, to share real examples of how we've gone out of our way to get to know someone, to share an experience with them, to connect with them, to, to simply acknowledge their existence, it'd probably be pretty tough for most of us. Now, if you're like me, you're probably sitting there going, like you're pushing back a little bit, right? Running through all the reasons why, right? I, I'm never home. Why you don't know your neighbors or why you don't, I, like I'm super busy. I don't have the time. Those people are weird. They're old or they're young or I don't want to hassle them or I don't want them to feel weird or I don't want to feel weird. Or how about this one? Have you ever thought this before? I've actually like, used this as an excuse. Like I'm actually doing them a favor by leaving them alone, I've seen them in the driveway. I wave. I've seen them at the coffee shop or at the store. And they just look like they don't want to talk to anybody. But the truth is, whether or not we want to admit it or not, when I make excuses for not loving, for not including, for not in connecting with people around me, what I'm really saying is people simply aren't worth my time. Everything else in my life is more important than this. So what do we do with that? Like, are we fine with that being our reality? What, what does God think about it? And Jesus actually talked about this. And in fact, this, this conversation that he had is, is called the Great Commandment. It's got a title. It's called the Great Commandment. Check it out. It's in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to read a bunch of verses in Luke 10. Um, they'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. Luke 10, 25, it says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Jesus. 
Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. So I I love this because... Look, the, the point of the conversation we're having here this morning, it, it's not shame, it's not to make people feel bad, because none of us need that, right? None of us need more areas where people are going, you blew it, you messed, like that, that's not what we're about. Our goal, though, is to take what Jesus said, to take this great commandment and move it from some nice idea, some nice teaching, some great theory that would be cool if it actually happened, and to actually move it into our real world experiences. That, that's the point. So have you ever like had this moment, don't, don't you hate it when you know what you're supposed to do, but you just don't want to do it? Like that, that's mostly called being a teenager. You know what you should do. You know what you're supposed to do. You just don't want to do it. Like I, I hate that. I, I have something in me that as soon as somebody, as soon as I feel like somebody's trying to force me to do something, as soon as I feel like somebody's trying to co- control me, I'm like, forget it. I ain't doing that. If it's my idea, I'll do it, but if it's your idea, get out of here. But that's the guy in the story. Like, he knew what he was, he, he knew the answers. He just didn't want to do it. And when you think about it, he asked Jesus a pretty darn good question. How do I get eternal life? Like, which human being at some point doesn't ask that question? Like, what is this all about? Is there life beyond this? Like, and if there is, how do I get a hold of that? That's a pretty, that's a pretty good question. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus basically says, come on, man, you already know. Like, he he doesn't even answer his question. He's like, well, what do you think the answer is? By the way, this happens a lot. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're pretty good at asking God questions we already know the answer to, right? Like, God, do you want me to love people? Please say no. (laughs) Please say no. You know, (laughs) Like, we're, we're, we just, we do that. But Jesus plays along, and the guy eventually says, you know, I know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with everything in us and love other people as ourselves. Now, after this initial back and forth with this guy, um, the guy asks Jesus another great question. It's really a question we would all ask because he, he's feeling in this moment what we would all feel. And, and it's the next verse. Look at, check this out in verse 29. Jesus, in verse 28, Jesus said, you answered correctly, do this and you will live. So in verse 29, he says, it it says that, but he wanted to justify himself. And isn't that what we all do? Like, how do I find, what's the loophole to get out of this thing, man? He wants to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And that seems on the surface like a fair question. But the truth is, it's kind of a jerk move. It's kind of a jerk question because when he asked, who is my neighbor, it was really a polite way of just asking, who is not my neighbor? Or who can I ignore? Or whose needs do I not have to care about? Or maybe most bluntly, who do I have permission to not love? 
And we don't want to admit it, but we've all asked this question at some level. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, like, like we've all asked that question, like, God, I, wanna, I know you want me to love everybody, but is, who, is, who is my neighbor? Do I really have to love and treat everybody the same? Like, is, isn't there just some loophole where I can get out of? So there, isn't there just some people groups? Because we, we tend to exclude people we don't like or who aren't like us. People who have different values or maybe a different culture or language or diff, just different, maybe they have different political ideas or whatever. And sometimes it's accidental because we just find their differences kind of odd or uninteresting or maybe unimportant. But other times it's very intentional in the way that we exclude them because we're, we don't like their differences because they really frustrate us. Or we don't like people that have that opinion or who think that way or vote that way or who don't believe the way we do about God. And eventually we find ourselves in the place where God's love is pushing up against our apathy and our indifference, and, the, and, and we're asking the question, God, who, who do I have permission to just ignore, to dismiss, to not love like that? And so Jesus answers this guy's question with one of the most well-known stories he ever told. And there's kind of a lot to it, but we're just going to touch on one aspect of it. It's, it's found in Luke 10 again, and then the verse, starting with verse 30, it says this, it says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, a Levite was um, somebody who was responsible for leading like the worship in the temple. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, I'm sorry, when, and when he saw him, he took pity on, ah, sorry, I lost my place. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after him. He said, and then when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Jesus, verse 36, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, um, can I, I just got to be honest. Like, I, when I first read this and I was thinking about this, I, I, I sort of feel like I do this, like like we, we uh, in our family, like we sponsor, like many of you, we sponsor kids overseas and, um, and, and, and we give to organizations who provide clean drinking water and we give away clothes and food and toys and all kinds of stuff to people in need. And, and I, I don't want to say it out loud, but I kind of feel like I'm killing this whole loving my neighbor thing, Jesus. Like I, I got this down. Now, my point isn't to brag, it's actually the opposite because I want to back up and give you a little bit of context in the story that really proves otherwise. Because Jesus makes, we, we don't catch the, like, all the, the little nuance to the story, but Jesus makes a Samaritan the hero of the story. And the reason why that matters, because it would have immediately thrown his audience, which was all Jewish, it would have immediately thrown his audience for a loop. The Jews that were listening to Jesus tell the story would have immediately been super offended because Jews despised Samaritans. They saw them as less, as lower and they're going, Jesus, doing what you're saying is hard enough, 
but me and my people are supposed to be the heroes of the story. Now, I, I can just imagine Jesus telling this story to us today, especially for many of us who are longtime believers in all of our self-righteousness and all of our piety, and you know, just to mess with us, he'd make a hero of the story, somebody, like somebody who's a Muslim or somebody that we just completely disagree with. Right? Somebody who we just fundamentally have a difference of belief. Jesus would make them the, 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 the hero. Or he would just pick a people group that, that, that we find easiest to sort of write, write off. Now there are other reasons why Jesus included the Samaritan in the story though. Part of it is he was just intentionally wanted to introduce and focus on someone who simply was not, who would have not been their actual neighbor. Because there's no way a Jew would have ever lived right next door to a Samaritan. There was already an expectation in this culture that people would love the people that were right around them. And so the Old Testament laws of God, if you went back and read it, they had given, like, uh, they, they had all, the, all to do with how you would love and interact with your, your family and the people of your country, the people in your community right around you. And, and besides, when you got in, in, in this context, everybody who was listening, everybody knew everybody. When you got married, you built your house on the back of your parents' house. And historians, historians tell us that most people during this time, they didn't travel, most people never traveled more than eight miles from home. And, and Jesus is trying to get people to think of neighbors outside of their natural def, definition, which is what he would say to us today. See, Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but then he redefines who we think of as our neighbor. Our world obviously is vastly different from the world he was speaking to i mean how, how many of us still live in the same neighborhood as our grandparents like you grew up like you how you live in the same area where your grandparents grew up Any, anybody like one person okay one of us yeah it's a different culture for them it was easier and felt safer to love the people of your immediate surrounding but not people who are far away I think it's actually reversed for us today because many times it's easier and feels safer for us to love people who we'll never meet. We don't actually ever have to see their face who are far away from us and we just send a check or we send some stuff and we can love them and it's, it's way more difficult, way more risky, way less safe to love the people that are right around us, the people we bump up against and live around every day. We have no problem giving to charity. We give to Feed One or we give to Charity Water or our International Justice, all those fantastic ministries. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we, we give all these great causes, but, but like hate our neighbor or don't talk to our brother or are estranged from our dad or don't know the name of the person that lives right next to us. We'll buy Toms because not only because they look cool, but because we want to give people who don't have shoes shoes, right? But God's going, look, I love that you ran that toy drive for Toys for Tots, but you called code enforcement on your neighbors because they left their toys in their front yard. <laughs> now, this isn't to marginalize people who are in need around the globe. It's simply to highlight the people who are all around us whose names we really don't even know. God doesn't want us to stop doing good and serving and giving to those, and those who are in need around the world. He just wants us to stop using the way that we serve at church or the causes that we support that we're involved in as an excuse to let ourselves off the hook for super convicting stuff for me. Because I, I'm like you, I'm crazy busy. I'm usually in my own little world. 
it's easy for me to just kind of tune people out. My wife is amazing at this stuff. I, we, we'll go somewhere and I'll go to the bathroom, I'll come out and she's over with the clerk and the clerk is literally telling her her life story and my wife's like talking to her and like everywhere we go, she meets people, connects with them, starts to get to know them. She knows all about their life, all about their story, all about their family, all about, and she's just amazing at this and I'm terrible at it. See, I, I've... I've wasted, maybe you've wasted, maybe you've done this too, but I've wasted so much time in my life trying to figure out who's in and who's out and how do I get a loophole? How do I, and I just trapped in my own little space, trying to find a, a way to let ourselves off the hook for not loving the people around us the way that God calls us to love them. See, everybody wants to change the world, but the world now lives in your city and in your neighborhood and right next door to you. How about we just change our little world? So, but, but how do we do that? How do we change our community? How do we love our neighbors? Because it, it's not, I'm convinced, it's not that most of us don't like this idea. It's not that most of us go, you know, the world needs more people to just love less people. Wait, what? Nobody's rejecting this idea outright. It's just, we're busy. We don't have time for it. We, we don't have time for outsiders because we barely have time for anything, including our own families. And it's easy to make the argument like, I'm not a jerk. I'm just, I'm just busy. I just can't. But the truth is often what we blame on lack of ability is really just an issue of priority. Because in reality, we all have the time for what we make time for. And this simple story, I want you to, I, this, is, this is the whole point of the day. This simple story is Jesus saying to us, like your, your brain, your, your spiritual RAS, you may have filtered this out, but this is Jesus going, make time for this. Create a category in your life for this. This is what I'm about. This is VIP. This should matter to you. If I matter to you, this matters to me, so this should matter to you. I read recently where a mayor, mayor of a prominent city was asked about how people of faith would make a difference or make a difference in his city. And here's what he said. He said, honestly, if people would just be better neighbors, we wouldn't need more government programs and we wouldn't need more staff in our city to address the problems. Great cities are made of great neighborhoods and great neighborhoods are made of great neighbors from our perspective, from the city's perspective, there really isn't a noticeable difference between how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our city. When I read that, I was like, oh. I have to tell you, like, not only do I want there to be, I, I think there needs to be a noticeable difference between the way that I neighbor and the way that someone who doesn't follow Jesus neighbors between the way that we connect the way that we love the way that we include others and the way that people who don't follow Jesus do that Jesus should matter enough in my life for people to notice shouldn't he so so like what, what do we just like that I, I, I really believe what I think we all know which is like we don't need another program to do this 
Because personal relationships just trump programs every time. Every time. But the truth is, is, not only is it tough to love people you don't know, it's really easy just to not love them. Jesus said at the end of his story, go and do likewise. So here's our first step. It's revolutionary. Are you ready for it? Cross the street or go next door and learn your neighbor's names. If you're like, done it, got it, boom. Score one for me with Jesus. If you already do that, go next door, cross the street, get to know your neighbor's story. Get to know what they're about, what their life is about. You don't have to know things like, like we, 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 we get credit for like, I know where he works. That, who cares? Find out something important about their life. Get to know them. Cross the street learn their story, or maybe, maybe do something crazy and leave a few minutes earlier for work than you normally do so that you can just take a little bit of extra time at Starbucks and you don't have to be just like crazy stressed out because the drive through line is so long and they're taking everybody and you're just like the baristas, these morons. What did they order? There's like 18 people in their van. Like, what's going on? Like, you're just like, I gotta get to work, right? Because we've all had those moments. But if you leave a little bit early and you have a cushion, you can just float into Starbucks light and everybody's racing around because they didn't leave early. And you're just like, hey, what's going on, people? <laughs> and you get to know your barista and you meet there like, hey, I've been coming here. I've noticed, like you make my, and you actually do a great job every time you guys, I mean, and really that's not true because they screw it up half the time <laughs> or they write your name wrong. But, but that's not what you're there for. You're there to love them, right? So, so you're just going to be like, you guys are amazing. And in your mind, you're like, I don't know why I keep coming here because you guys mess it up every time. <laughs> But you just got that extra, you, you got time to take your time to, to sit and look for opportunities to connect to people and to love people. What if the followers of Jesus, just what if our church, let's just leave it there. What if we became known as the best neighbors in our community? There, there's some... Um, when we lived in Plumas Lake, there were some people who lived on our street, and um, I don't even know what church they went to, but like they put a, a yard sign in their yard for their church, and, um, and it wasn't our church, so I went and defaced it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> just, just kidding. I would never do that, um, but every time I drove by their house, I thought, man, it's really odd. Because nobody on our street, we lived there for a few years, so we knew everybody in our neighbors. We knew Gary, who was three doors down, and he lived in front of the, the, um, the, the mailbox. And he would literally, I, I don't know if he would just wait, but like every time somebody came to get their mail, Gary would come out and talk to them. And so it'd be like, sometimes I'm like, I gotta go really fast. I'm looking to see if <laughs> Gary's looking. I'm like, <laughs> trying to get the mail. And it was like, hey, Rand, hey, Gary. Right? He's like, oh, yeah, I knew you were going to catch me. <laughs> right? But, but these people with the yard sign, like, they, never, they lived there for years and nobody, they, they didn't talk to anybody. They didn't go to their church. They even knew that, like, 
And I just thought, it's so odd that they have this sign for their church, like wanting people to come to their church, but they didn't bother to go next door and introduce themselves. They didn't bother to say, hey, like when, when the family that, that was right across the street from them was going through a difficult time and everybody sort of rallied around them, they were the one family. I'm like, it's super odd. Well, why would they do that? What, what if we became known, not for our yard signs, but we just became known as the best neighbors in this city? Wouldn't that be amazing? It's not complicated. It really isn't. And it'll cost you, but it's not expensive. Because loving always costs, right? Getting involved with people and meeting them means you get involved in their mess and their drama and their, their story. And, and there's a cost to that. But it's not expensive. It doesn't cost you money. And what, what you'll discover, I think, is the more that you sit with people who you thought were different, who you thought were other, the more you'll see that they're, they're just people. They're the same. People are just people. They, we want and need the same things. And the reality of this is just like God, God was, God was saying to his people all along, and, and God says this to us, like you were once an outsider, and I paid attention to you. I loved you. I came and found you. Now do for them what I did for you. So my question as we kind of just close this up this morning, my question is this, who has God placed in your life? that it feels more like a burden that's slowing you down than an opportunity to love. Because the truth is, that's exactly who God has put in your path for you to love. And, and, and you're trying to figure out a way to weed them out of your life. And God's going, no, I put them right in your path so you can love them, so you can help them, so you can be their friend, so you can be their neighbor. Those are the people that God is inviting you. And Jesus would say, go and do likewise. You don't have to travel around the world to make a difference. You can make a difference right where you live. You can make a difference right in your daily and weekly routine. Because there's people who are hurried and messed up. And I, I'm just amazed every time I've gotten on a flight or I sat on the train or I, I sit down in an office and strike, a, strike up a conversation with someone, how quickly and easily they'll begin to share the load that they're carrying and the opportunity that we have to just be able to love people in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. God, you're, um, you're awesome. Lord, you came and found us and Jesus, you came and met us where we are and you loved us right where we are and you have brought us hope that you have reached out to us, that you have brought grace and truth and a love. Lord, when we were your enemies, when we had made ourselves your enemies, you sacrificed, and came and found us and brought us close to you. Lord, I pray that this church, this campus, our church, this little thing that's here that's still in its infancy, only one year old, still trying to find our sea legs, still trying to get things going in the right direction sometimes. 
Lord, it's my heartbeat that we would be known because the people of this church, the people of this campus have become the best neighbors in the city because of the way that we love and care, include, connect. God, all of us have someone in our hearts and minds that it would be difficult for us to really include them. And yet, God, that's exactly who it is you're wanting us to include. Lord, may we stop using all of the ways that we do love others. May we stop using our connection to your church. May we stop using all of the good that's coming out of our lives. May we stop using as that, that as an excuse to let ourselves off the hook for loving our neighbor as ourselves. God, thank you for these amazing people. There's so many incredible people in this room who love you, who love others. And Lord, for those that are here that don't know you, they don't, they're not even sure if you're real. Lord, may the love and the connection and the hope that they experience when they're here as part of this community. May that, God, be the thing that begins to draw them to you. Lord, as you speak to their heart, that they would open up to you. Lord, thank you for this birthday party today. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.